Well, you win some, you lose some. Hi, I'm Philip Lumel. Welcome to No Uncertain Terms, the official podcast of the Turn Limits Movement for the week of March 18, 2019. Your sanctuary from partisan politics. Let's go straight to Nick Tombalides, Executive Director of U.S. Turn Limits, to find out what the heck happened in West Virginia last week. Hey, Nick. Well, last week uh, we had uh, a barrage of great news. I was very excited and uh, looking forward to the news from West Virginia over the weekend. Uh, this week, not so much. Uh, turns out that we did have the West Virginia vote that we promised in last week's podcast. And the first in the House, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, worked out great. The second, well, why don't you tell us, Nick? Yeah, I guess in every great story arc, sometimes the umpire strikes back, and um, that is what happened this week. Um, we passed the West Virginia House of Delegates, which is the lower chamber, last week by a good margin, 55 to 42. Uh, that was on Friday, and we were supposed to pass the state Senate on Saturday night. We were following this very closely. Keep in mind, this was the final day of the legislative session. Um, mm -hmm. We didn't want to wait that long. We were forced by the West Virginia leadership to wait that long. Uh, we were assured, though, that there would be a vote. Um, so the West Virginia Senate President, Mitch Carmichael, brought this bill to the floor at 11.40 p.m. on Saturday night. So we were already sweating bullets. And, it, and the session ends... Um, at midnight. Constitutionally at midnight. Correct. So we were a little bit worried, but we thought we had the votes. We thought that there would be some procedures in place to make sure that this got the, the hearing and the vote that it deserved. Uh, but there was a senator, this, I would describe him as an arrogant, blowhard senator named right. Michael Romano, who just got up and started bloviating. He goes on for mm -hmm. 20 minutes. He's attacking term limits. He's attacking the idea of a convention. He's defending career politicians in Washington, apparently believes they're doing a great job. And once the clock struck midnight, just like the carriage in Cinderella, the legislative session ended and our bill was dead. So right. we, we turned into a pumpkin. And this senator, Michael Romano, is officially responsible for killing a congressional term limits bill in West Virginia. It was heartbreaking. I was watching it live, uh, the live stream, and the guy just looked at his watch, realized it's midnight, and finished his uh, meandering rants. And uh, that was it. The gavel fell, and it was over, and we lost. And that we didn't lose. We had the votes. Our whip count looked strong. Uh, we were sure that we had West Virginia won. And this guy pulled this parliamentary maneuver in order to make sure that tournaments did not get a vote. Um, I'm sure he's under a lot of pressure right now because, just like everywhere else, the people of West Virginia love tournaments and wanted this to pass. Yeah, 83% of West Virginians want term limits on Congress. So the support is overwhelming. Now we can't pass West Virginia until 2020 at the soonest. The backlash against this guy has been pretty angry, pretty deafening. We put up a graphic on Facebook to expose the, his little scheme and his constituents, people all across West Virginia have been bombarding him. Uh, with emails and phone calls to call him out for using this deceptive tactic. Uh, right. He's feeling the he heat, and uh, people who have called him have said, you know, this, this jerk has been saying, insinuating he knows better than us, knows better than the people of West Virginia. That is the opposite of what a good public servant should do. Um, and what made it such a sleazy move, it, it would have been one thing if the West Virginia Senate voted on term limits for Congress and we lost the vote. But that's not what happened. 
We had no. the votes, and this, this sleazy move was was orchestrated to deny the people a vote. He knew he couldn't win the debate, so he used a sleazebag tactic to stop the debate. So what he feared was a legitimate, genuine, honest vote on term limits. And frankly, this guy, he's exactly the reason why term limits are so important. He's hes become a parody. He's become a poster child mm-hmm. uh, in his own right. And we're going to see to it that you know, he faces the music for this. Right. We did not see this coming. And so there may be more to this story than we know yet, but uh, we're investigating and uh, we'll see to it that the people in West Virginia will get the vote on this that they deserve and that they want. Yeah. One question I have certainly is why didn't the Senate president um, who had been supportive all along, Mitch Carmichael, why didn't he strong arm Romano and force a vote on this. So I think right. the Senate I think the Senate president needs to answer that question and I think it's going to be hard for him to do so credibly. Um, I'm not saying this is an inside job but I, I think there are certainly no. questions we have about how the Senate president behaved and why he didn't allow the vote to take place. Right. And once we get the story you'll be sure that we'll report it here on No Uncertain Terms podcast. In his filibuster to block a vote on the term limits convention in West Virginia last week, Senator Mike Romano of Harrison started his meander with a quote from Supreme Court Justice Antonin Scalia, implying that the respected jurist believed that an Article 5 amendment proposing convention was somehow an attack on the Constitution. We've heard this before from various anti-term limits groups. This is not only not true, but it's the opposite of the truth. While Scalia opposed an open-ended constitutional convention, such as the one we saw in 1787, and so do we at USTL, Scalia was adamantly in favor of states using Article 5 to propose specific amendments to the Constitution. Scalia's own words from an American Enterprise Institute forum in 1979 exposed Senator Romano's alarmist falsehoods. It really comes down to whether you think a a constitutional convention is necessary. Uh, I think it is necessary for some purposes, and I'm willing to accept what seems to me a minimal risk of intemperate action uh, in order to to have that achieved. Uh, The reason I feel it's necessary is, uh, I think, the reason the founders put in this, uh, this alternative method of obtaining a constitutional convention that the Congress is simply unwilling to give attention to many issues which it knows the people are concerned with and uh, which issues involve restrictions upon the federal government's own power. I think the founders foresaw that and they provided this method in order to enable a convention to remedy that. If the only way to get that convention is to take this minimal risk, then uh, I think it is a reasonable risk to be undergone. But. What's the alternative? The alternative is, con- is continuing with a system that provides no means of obtaining a, a constitutional amendment except uh, through the uh, kindness of the Congress, which has uh, demonstrated that it does not want to have uh, any other way to get a constitutional amendment. It could have cleared up a lot of these questions. It could have facilitated them long ago. For that matter, as was uh, suggested to me by someone before the program, it could have uh, provided uh, an amendment by the normal amending process, which says that limited calls for state conventions are proper. That would have eliminated all doubt. But the Congress is not about to do that. 
It likes the power. It does not want to have amending power anywhere else. Now, uh, not long ago, Proposition 13 came out of uh, California, and, and, and there was a great uh, uh, cheer about the country. That, that cheer, it, it seemed to me at the time, and still seems to me, was, was not so much uh, uh, because of the, the, the narrow issue that it pertained to. It, it, it was a sort of amazement that, by golly, the people, when they really want something badly enough, can really get it despite the opposition of the legislature at the state level. And I think we're facing the same thing at the federal level. The Congress knows that the people want more fiscal responsibility, but it is unable to provide it. Now, what we need is some means at the federal level, like Proposition 13, the Constitution has provided it. Uh, I suggest that if the only way to clarify the law, if the only way to uh, remove us from utter bondage to the Congress is to uh, is to take what I think uh, to be a minimal, a minimal risk on, on this uh, uh, limited convention, then let's take it. The basic problem is simply that the Congress has become professionalized. It has an interest much higher than ever existed before in remaining in office. Uh, it has a bureaucracy that is serving it. It is much more subject to the uh, uh, power of individualized pressure groups uh, as opposed to the, the unorganized uh, feelings of, of the majority of the citizens, all of these reasons have created this, uh, this feeling which is real and which I think has a proper basis of powerlessness. Uh, one remedy for that, the one specifically provided in the Constitution, is this amendment process which bypasses the Congress. I would like to see that amendment process used just once at first. I don't much care what it's used for the first time. I think just having it used once will exert an enormous uh, influence upon both the Congress and the Supreme Court, I think. I think we'll get the parameters established of how you do it, what can be done, and I think after that the Congress and the Court will behave much better. In um, the other states where we had big victories last week, Georgia and Arizona, um, if you recall from last week's podcast, the Arizona House and the Georgia Senate uh, both passed the term limits convention resolution, and um, now we're waiting on the uh, vote of the other chamber in each state. Uh, we haven't got a, any dates or anything on this, um, but what's the status, uh, Nick, and, and what should we, people be doing? Well, in both of these states, Georgia and Arizona, we have passed one chamber. Like you said, we've passed the Georgia State Senate and we've passed the Arizona House. And the mission right now is don't let Georgia and Arizona become the next West Virginia. Right. Get the vote, get it before the end of session, and pass. But we're not going to do that without activating our, our activist army, without getting – phone calls and emails into members of the Georgia legislature and of the Arizona legislature. Um, right now in Georgia, the decision rests with the Speaker of the House, David Ralston. Uh, this guy, has he's continually held back the term limits resolution, but he's uh, under fire right now. He's got some personal scandals that are kind of blowing up statewide. And I think we might be able to pressure him to do the right thing if we get active. So – for people who want to influence this situation or the situation in Arizona, you have to go to termlimits.com, 
go to the current actions tab. There you will see calls to action for Georgia and for Arizona. In Georgia, it's SR-237. In Arizona, it's HCR-2022. Both of them have a real chance of passage this session. Both of them have sessions that go into April. So we've got a little bit of time on our hands, but we have to get active now. We have to contact these people and tell them we need it to pass. If you live in either one of those states. If you're in Arizona or Georgia, go to the page, com current actions tab. And in fact, you know, I think that we probably ought to call the um, Georgia House Speaker and tell him directly that uh, we want to have a vote on this. I highly recommend you do so. You have that number, Nick? I do. His capital office in Atlanta is 404-656-5020. Remind him that over 80% of Georgians want term limits for Congress. As a representative, it's his job to listen to the people. Right. Okay. Well, we did have some really good news from last week, too, though. We had uh, Florida. Uh, We went up to Tallahassee to see this with our own eyes uh, as the bill to put on the ballot a measure that would limit the terms of Florida's school board members to eight years in office advanced in the Senate, uh, passed a committee four to three. And um, we heard from a lot of great tournaments activists in Florida that came to the podium and told legislators what they'd like to see done. And the legislators listened. (laughs) Yeah, it was funny. We've uh, featured on this podcast before uh, the commentary from Shana Lopez Rivas, who's a Tallahassee-based activist. Um, But I think her her testimony at this hearing was probably my favorite because she basically told the senators, look, nobody needs more than eight years to learn their job. As far as term limits go, I'm very in favor of term limits for every single body of elected office that there is. But as far as eight versus 12, I'll tell you this much. My mom became a trauma nurse at the time with a two-year nursing degree. When she first started working in an ICU, um, you wouldn't have expected her to work six to 10 years to be able to do a good job. Uh, In fact, you would have expected her the moment she started to be able to do a good job. So, And and the same is true with other professions as well. It takes six months of training to become a police officer, and it certainly doesn't take six years to become a fireman. All of these jobs are where on day one, making a mistake and not doing a good job means life or death for somebody else. School boards don't have that life or death looming over them. But I can say that the only place I've heard that it takes six to 10 years to learn how to do your job is right here and in reference to political careers. If it takes you more than eight years to do a good job, you don't need to be doing that job. Last week, we featured Representative Hank Johnson of Georgia and his comments about Guam tipping over. This segment was quite a hit. We find it startling that this Congress member rarely faces serious opposition at the ballot box if anyone runs against him at all, and we view his career in Congress as a testament to the power of incumbency. It's a heavy lesson. In 2014, the Washingtonian published their 15th biennial Best and Worst of Congress list. Representative Johnson was voted the most clueless by congressional staffers. That's important. But no uncertain terms listeners apparently just found Hank Johnson to be hilarious. 
So, by popular demand, we offer another of Hank Johnson's greatest hits. This one is from 2013, where Johnson is found defending helium subsidies before the U.S. House. This bill, which shows that this Tea Party Congress will make the tough choice to keep children's birthday parties on schedule and give industries that rely on helium the lift that they deserve. Imagine, Mr. Speaker, a world without balloons. How can we make sure that the injustice of there being no helium for comedians to get that high-pitched voice that we all hold near and dear to our hearts? Imagine a world without balloons. We haven't talked about Maryland at all, and yet there has been some movement in Maryland. The Tournaments Convention bill has been introduced in the House. I know that it's got 20 co-sponsors, and uh, we've got Ken Quinn of U.S. Tournaments on the ground working hard to uh, get people alerted to this and get involved in the process, and apparently they're starting to hear from us. Mr. Quinn. Good afternoon, Madam Chair, distinguished members of the committee. My name is Ken Quinn. I'm from Bridgeton, Maine. I'm with uh, U.S. Term Limits. And the American people have been wanting term limits on Congress for decades. In the early 90s, 23 states passed laws putting term limits on their own members of Congress. Um, unfortunately, the Supreme Court in 1995 overturned all those state laws. And what this court determined was the only way this could happen is through Article 5 of the U.S. Constitution. There's only two ways to propose amendments. Both houses of Congress need to pass it by two-thirds, or two-thirds of the states need to apply. Now, does anybody here in this room think that Congress is going to propose a term limit amendment on themselves? Of course not. They've introduced it over 200 times. In fact, the concerns about a runaway convention, it happens every day. It's called Congress. That's the runaway convention. Congress has introduced, get this, over 12,000 amendments to the U.S. Constitution. 12,000. The 116th Congress has already introduced 35 amendments to the U.S. Constitution. Any member can stand up any day that they're in session to propose uh, to introduce an amendment. That is what takes place. With this process, we are only seeking the same opportunity that Congress has taken advantage of 12,000 times. It is limited. It requires agreement, a concurrence of 20 of two-thirds or 34 states on the same subject matter. That has been proven throughout our history. That is what the framers said at the 1787 convention, and that's been our experience. The benefits of open-seat elections are, will benefit our nation greatly. We need greater participation in government. That can only come by allowing people more opportunity to run for office, give us, the voters, more opportunity to Vote for people that we believe in, not just the, the greater or the lesser of two evils. Term limits will help reduce the amount of money being spent on elections because 97% of corporate PAC money goes to the incumbents. They don't want to give money to the challengers because they don't, I'll say, own them already. It's a new week. If you live in Arizona or Georgia, please go to termlimits.com. And look for the current actions tab and use it to send a message to legislators to support the term limits convention bills. Do it right now, please. We are creating a YouTube video of Scalia's rousing endorsement of Article 5 and also a meme or two. Next time you hear someone rely on Justice Anson and Scalia to attack the term limits convention, be sure to enlighten him or her with this information. Last 
please subscribe to the No Uncertain Terms podcast and tell your friends about it too. Imagine if tens of thousands of Americans listed in each week, learning the arguments and catching up on the progress of the term limits movement. We'd be a united and noisy force, unstoppable. You can use the podcast app on your iPhone to subscribe or use Stitcher or Google Play on your Android device or go to iTunes and be sure to rate and review us while you're there. We'll be back next week with the latest. If you can't wait, check us out at TurnLimits.com. Follow us on most social media at U.S. Term Limits. Um, the, uh, a, um, the, uh, a,